0: Hello, hello, friends and gamers. Once again, I had my brother Nathan on the podcast. Nathan doesn't need an introduction because he's such a unique, hardworking individual. All I will say is you should check out all his socials and the work he does because Nate would truly be an asset to any team, friend circle, gosh, any project. Uh, He motivates me continuously and every day to be better and do better despite continuous, unyielding hardship. I will say, if things are going hard for you lately, find your discipline, find your daily routine, find your self-care, make sure you're prioritizing yourself above other people. And I don't mean in a you're the be-all, end-all, but you got to love and take care of yourself before you're able to do it to other people properly. An empty cup cannot hope to fill another. And make sure you're working towards your dreams and goals. Because it can get really difficult if you're just coasting and don't have something to look forward to or work towards. It can be as simple as you want to travel to another country a year from today. Or that you simply want to finally run in that 5K. You know, maybe you want to be a world famous musician. Maybe you just want to be a podcaster gets heard out there and gets to connect with awesome people and talk about interesting subjects that you've loved your entire life. Whatever that drive is, visualize it, daydream about it. Let it drive you, push you, fuel you. You don't understand how capable you are of things. It just takes the daily work to get there. So keep it up. I know you're capable and I know you can do it. My name is Matthew, and this is The Web3 Gamer. Are you listening to this podcast inside? Why aren't you listening to it while on a walk or outside? Dude, get outside and touch some grass. You can learn about all the crypto, bipdo, ridiculous, no ninjo stuff you ever want, but it doesn't do you any good if you're just living in your life in the basement or in the dark. Dude, you need to get outside, you need to live, touch the grass, feel the wind on your face, look at the sun. Come on, man, the outdoors are great. Stop wasting it all inside. Wake up call.
1: My name's Matthew, and I'm the
0: Web3 Gamer, and I am here, again, with my brother, for another special episode of brothers in blockchain is that what we're calling it now i guess i don't know it just seemed to have a nice ring to it you know gpt4 gave me that title i've enjoyed it we'll just keep it going but yeah well you know
1: one thanks for having me back i actually didn't think that i'd be invited back after what happened last time and uh second what's gonna happen If GPT 4 goes away, you're not gonna be able to think for yourself, you're not gonna be able to think about what a podcast
0: name featuring your own brother would be like. Don't make that face at me. Look, I'm not a creative, I just do creative things, and people believe I have a creative bone in my body. What people don't understand is I don't have any bones in my body, I'm just a big amorphous blob of jello walking. I am a meat puppet powered by electricity, and if anybody can't accept that, they're just not accepting you know i don't know i don't even know where was going with that but yeah i mean i feel like today we decided we were gonna try to keep it focused on a few things you know mainly bitcoin focus but neither of us are maxis but you know and also i wanted to ask uh you went to rare evo recently i don't know if you wanted to talk about that just like experience and what it was like because it was in denver i know it's not like completely maybe web3 gaming focus but like i feel like there's a lot of interesting things that happened while you were there
1: yeah, you know, it's just something that we don't talk about. You know, you were either in the platoon and out there in the fields or, you know, we we just don't talk about it. Now, um, yeah, it was pretty fun. Rare Evo happened here in Denver just uh, less than a week ago almost. And it was an enormous amount of fun, to say the least. It was crazy in all the best ways possible. It was a crypto conference. It was not a chain-specific conference. The year before that, it had been Rare Bloom, and it was a Cardano-only conference. Uh, And it was much different than going to a chain-specific conference, right? We have ETH Denver that is hosted right here in Denver, which is, as the name suggests. All ETH heads, Rare Bloom last year was Cardano-focused. Of course, you've got the Bitcoin conference now happening in Nashville Uh, this year. Those are fun, and I encourage people to go to... um, Chain specific conferences, but I do like the vibe and the feel of a multi-chain space, whether or not you like those chains, because you just get all sorts of different people together. And speaking of Web3 Gaming, there was a huge booth there set up by Cornucopias, which is a prominent Cardano specific game. And one that's actually using Unreal Engine 5, if you ever want to look that up or if your viewers want to look that up. It's pretty crazy. I I did a podcast with them for Rare Evo. And I mean, some of those graphics look to me like almost Red Dead-esque. So anything else you want to know about Rare Evo other than it was super fun,
0: I can I can tell you. But those are some of the highlights from it. Yeah, I mean, I like that it's um not officially just cardano based anymore not that i'm knocking any conference that just is like single chain based i just think you know now as time goes on we see so many chains have so much to offer in terms of differences applications um it it just seems like unless you're really just like i totally get the bitcoin conference you know being like i'm if people who go are like i'm the biggest fan of bitcoin like i don't dislike other chains but like i'm like, Bitcoin's my main chain, my main fan. That's why I go to this conference versus – or same with, like, ETH Denver. People are like, we think Ethereum. Like, the, the Ethereum virtual machine as the computer network of, like, smart contracts and all that jazz. It does great, and so we have it. I just I, – I think about myself, like, going to the conventions. Like, I wouldn't have a problem going to any of those, but I think the ones, like, if they were – if somebody's like, what's most appealing to you would be, like, multi-chain where there's a bunch of different chains? Because one, like you said – Bunch of different people you can meet from different backgrounds, different aspects. And two, like there's just going to be some projects going on on some chains first before others. And there's probably going to be some projects just going on on some chains that they can't go on on other chains. I mean, as we'll get into later, no one ever thought any sort of gaming could ever come to the Bitcoin blockchain. And it finally has what, 12 years later? Jeez. So, I mean, the fact that it did is still crazy, but we can get more into that later.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. It's like I I understand where Maxi, by the way, there's a Maxi on every chain, right? People don't want to yeah. believe that yeah. they think that Bitcoin Maxis are the only thing. Nope. I've met ETH Maxis. There are Cardano Maxis. I'm certain that there are avalanche maxis. Maybe there's only one or two of them in the entire world, but it's like there are maxis on every single chain, just like there are religious fundamentalists and people that are on uh, politically one side of the aisle. It's a tribalism that's sort of inherent to human psychology, so I'm not going to try and fight it. It's just not me. Uh, you know, I'm mostly a Bitcoin guy because I've studied that. For so long but i can't deny you know the programmability of eth and then if you really love programmability and governance and lightweight blockchains then you can't ignore cardano or avalanche and so you get into all sorts of these you know different things where you want to be in a multi-chain world it's sort of like i think about a multi-chain world and these multi-chain conferences almost like a buffet There's lots of things that I don't enjoy eating at a buffet. You know, you and I come from the South where they have like all sorts of like slop on buffets. And you're like, I'm not interested in that. But I'd rather have it there so that if somebody is interested in that and it's not harming anybody or anything like that, then they can get it. And what you sort of saw at Rare Evo was you had everybody from Cardano stake pool operators to Web3 Games to you had an entire chain there. V-Chain was there, which I'd heard a lot about. You had uh, super interesting projects like Sarcophagus, which is like a decentralized dead man switch on Ethereum. You had uh, podcasters. You had people that were selling merchandise. You had liquidity providers. It was just a smorgasbord. That's maybe the best word to use for it. A smorgasbord of different projects, and a lot of them I didn't have time to interact with and see, but they were part of the event. It was not a maxi event at all. You could learn, uh, interact, and have fun sort of with everybody. And I just think that, you know, putting yourself into a crowd and being able to shake everybody's hand and interact with people and have fun and smile together, I I sort of think that that is the, the, the people side of blockchain and crypto, and it's sort of the best of all worlds.
0: Yeah, completely. And, you know, for as many conventions that go in and around Atlanta, I'm amazed I have not yet seen a crypto or blockchain conference pop up. Obviously, closest one night that comes to mind is the Bitcoin 2023 conference is now moving to Nashville. But, you know, the amount of conventions, period, besides the ones I go to, like anime, comic book, sci-fi conventions, I'm like, the amount of work conventions for professional industries that just come through Atlanta, I keep. I'm like, maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. I'm like, I just haven't heard of any or seen any pop up yet outside of like people doing meetups for chain specific things as we've discussed in the past. And I keep waiting because the moment it drops, I'm like, yeah, of course I want to go and experience it, whether it's single or multi chain for all the reasons you literally previously existed.
1: Well, you know, you know what's interesting is so you say that now it's just like, no way that Atlanta doesn't have some sort of blockchain conference or Web3 thing happening on. But even a quick Googling of it, I think what we're getting at here is there's no prominent conference, which I mean, yeah. Web3, yeah. crypto in general, I always like to say is like, it's a huge, small industry. Uh, it's huge in the fact that like, you know, Bitcoin is a multi, almost a half a trillion dollar asset. ETH follows a little bit behind it, multiple billions of dollars. And then everything else is, you know, either in the millions or billions of dollars, which is pretty respectable considering that. um, you know most startup companies can't get to that in the tech space but when you when it comes to conferences when it comes to meetups you have prominent ones just like we've discussed like bitcoin or consensus or you know even now i'm going to say coming up rare evo or some of the the cardano specific ones like cnft con which is now nft uh, lv a lot of them happen in vegas because that's where you know the uh that's where it's easy to hold conferences or like NFT NYC. They happen in NYC. I always say, and how many times have I said this before in real life, that Atlanta is like the Los Angeles of the South. It's mind boggling to me. That there isn't a conference being held there, but it could be for tax reasons or something like that to round this up with a bow. The Atlanta web three expo is actually happening September 28th, but it seems like it's only for one day from 5 to 9 p.m. in the Tech Square, somewhere on Spring Street. So maybe it's just a matter of time before conferences move from Texas or Nashville or whatever to be in Atlanta. Maybe there's some sort of logistical challenges. I'm not going to pretend to know here, but you're right. It is pretty crazy considering how gigantic and how many amenities Atlanta has, that it does not have a conference happening yet.
0: Well, and I've noticed there's a lot of fintech events. Like, that's always the title. Like, if you, if of the five titles you searched, either cryptocurrency, blockchain, DeFi, fintech, web3, fintech and web3 seem to be, fintech's definitely number one in terms of things that pop up, um, for Atlanta at least. But um, apparently there is an Atlanta Bitcoin conference called TabCon F, October 13th to 15th. But it was, oh, there you go. It's literally happening in four days. TabCon F is happening September 6th through the 9th. The Atlanta Bitcoin Conference. Interesting. You know what? Okay. I need to learn more about this because even if I just went for a day, it'd be nice to go. Yeah, you
1: know, and I... (laughs) There were a lot of people, you know, this year is a terrible bear market. It's uh, people are, keep debating whether it's Bitcoin's longest bear market. And of course, Bitcoin controls the entire crypto market, the sort of financialization of the market, of, of how things are perceived um, or the general sentiment. And so there are a lot of people that have not gone to conferences this year. I know that the Bitcoin conference that did happen this year was I think 15,000 people compared to when I went last year was either 30 or maybe 45. So conferences shrink when the market isn't doing well. But actually, I'm, I'm gonna say this, this might be slightly controversial, but or maybe people will enjoy hearing it. I actually enjoy crypto and web three more going to conferences, meeting people, interacting with projects, investing, all that sort of stuff. I enjoy it much more during the bear markets than I do the bull markets for the simple reason that if you are going to uh, a crypto conference during the bear market, and this was certainly the case during Rare Evo, it might've been the case during the Bitcoin one as well, but I didn't attend. It might've also been during consensus, but I unfortunately didn't attend that. If you are going to a crypto conference during the bear market, you're the real deal. And if you are a scammer or a fraudulent actor, you've done an enormous amount of work for very, very little reward. So it's like it's it's sort of like uh, not trusting somebody because you think they may be pulling a long term con. It could be true, but it's the minority of fraudsters, scamsters and and criminals that will put in years and years and years of work to finally get out with that massive payload. So where I'm getting with this is you can be reasonably sure that when you're at a bear market conference, everybody that you meet there is legit. They're actually interested in crypto. The money is, you know, it's nice, but it's second or third to them. They're a real builder. They're a founder. They want to network. And they are here. They're surviving. They haven't been cleared out by the any of the market clearing mechanisms. And so I think it's always actually more fun and more interesting to meet these people because these are the the people that are going to shoot up because they have legit projects and they're actually doing the work when the money floods back in during the inevitable bull market
0: yeah and i I would totally agree with that because (laughs) i feel like as we both have discussed and seen during the (laughs) bull market somebody can just be like yeah it's it's peach coin. You're like, what does it do? You're like, oh, dude, you just buy a peach at the grocery You get one peach token. You're like, yeah, but what's the utility? What's like going on with it? They're like, dude, that's it. And you're like, oh, what do you hear? You're like, dude, I'm like making millions a day doing this versus, I mean, as we discussed the other night, everything going on with B A Y C is like literally just going down the tubes for them now. Cause people are just like, uh, eh. I mean, it doesn't help that they have all the celebrities uh literally filing that lawsuit against them, which definitely does not help, but I think a lot of people are finally. Being being one of the first in the game with all that unique luxury um, did not help them now, whereas it went down, they're like, luxury first, and then now they're like, okay, utility, and they're doing all these things, and people are like, it's really... I mean, I've seen so many satire posts where people are like, Yuga Lab's other side is like groundbreaking in the chains of like Web3 gaming. And then people get really mad and reply and they're like, hey, this went over your head. I myself got caught. I'm like, what? This is ridiculous. Like Yuga Labs isn't doing. It. I'm like, oh, it's it's troll level 1,000. Like, I you had me. You totally had me. I believed it. What I'm getting to is, yeah, it's just, it's, it seems unfortunate. And I don't think this will be the case for the next bull run. But I feel like up until the last bull run, you could kind of just have a semi good idea, be able to execute semi okay on it. And enough people would go, well, it might be the next big thing. I'm willing to at least throw 10, 50, 100, $200 in it. And when you got uh, 10, 10, 20, 30,000 people do that, you're like, dude, my company just made its money over and over. And then it doesn't matter at that point. They're like, so what are you going to execute on? You're like, I have no idea. I kind of was just, I kind of just put out a feeler and it worked out really well. So now I'm figuring it out, and then. There's a reason why, as we both discussed, you'll see so many companies like that. They they come in, they're like, holy crap, we made like 5 million like revenue. And then you're like, what happened to them? You're like, dude, I mean like nothing because they didn't have a plan or like they didn't know what to do beyond that because they never expected to make that. Versus the people, like you said, who I've been meeting consistently making moves and doing things in this bear market where they're like, our main goal isn't even profit or money. I mean, literally, um, the last episode I put out, joseph shrizy for keep with the um the game the game wallet. he's just like my whole point is to educate people and just give people an option another option in the cold storage wallet space he's like if we make money great he's like but that's like he's like i'm basically trying to sell this for as cheap as i possibly can to just cover production and shipping costs and i was like that's amazing that's that's a rare thing because i feel like you could totally market this and be like yeah we're going to profit massively i'm going to compete with like the big cold storage wallet people and he's just like that's not the end goal and i really appreciated that because i was like yeah that's that's why your company is able to do successful and do well no matter the market conditions because as you said you're putting in the work you actually have end goals in mind you have long-term plans you don't just put out a white paper and then when the goals aren't met three six i'm sorry roadmap three six seven months later people are like What the heck's going on? And you're just like, nothing. Don't worry about it. We're working on it. You're like, you've said that for the last three years with no results. And you're like, yeah, you don't blame people when they're like, it's a rug. It's a freaking rug. Like, I haven't heard anything. Nothing's been followed. You're just like, yeah. Versus at least I've seen projects where they don't follow the roadmap and they come out and they go, yep, bad things happen in terms of development. We're expecting a three to six month delay. Really sorry. You're like, at least you gave an update. And then three to six months later, they're like, here's that. Here's that thing we promised three to six months ago, sorry, it didn't work out. We hit far stronger roadblocks and delays than we anticipated, and you're like, okay. I mean, I I, I totally get two people being like, I don't have the capability to communicate continuously, but look, at, if you can afford a community manager, you do it, man, because you do not want to be your own community manager, even when you just have 2,000 people in your Discord, let alone 15,000 people in a Telegram group being like, what's going on?
1: Yeah, that is a tricky job for sure that and legit social media managers but you know this sort of comes back to the old joke that at least i always tell because this is my third bear bull market cycle uh my first professionally having worked in or around the industry and i would always joke with people that i'm like uh what does it take to become a chief marketing officer at a project during the bull market they're just like what and i'm like a pulse that's because literally people will just be hired on that have no qualifications that have never really done marketing but when 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 the industry is flush with cash and when there's a lot of liquidity and people can move stuff around it's it's sort of like you know to go off your example you're like yeah like what's the use case of peach coin and you're like silence 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 it looks like a butt. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, dude, it looks like a butt. And if, you, if it sells for $0.05 cents and you've got a, a billion tokens, that adds up to real money real soon. I think we might sort of be seeing the end of that, though, because if you've even been slightly paying attention to the news, the U.S. government doesn't really like the token pump and dumps, and they're sort of starting to be treated like penny stocks and other things like that used to be treated it's still totally up in the air as of this episode with minimal regulation and if you really want to do that stuff like it's it's just like doing any sort of other unethical business you know you headquarter yourself in the cayman islands or some friendly jurisdiction that can evade u.s law you do it you get unsuspecting people you build a ruse um you know you can you've always been able to do that, and you always will be able to do that. But hopefully that that is sort of coming to an end. And you actually have better examples of projects that they're builders during the bear market. They maybe don't provide like actual value uh, in terms of financial rewards or building a project, but they provide tremendous amounts of other value in terms of education, fun. There's minimal financialization. Of course, I'm thinking of right now Hosky token on Cardano, which is a fascinating and interesting project. I think that it sort of serves the function of what Dogecoin used to do, except Dogecoin now has become financialized and has like a lot of, I think, bad incentives around it, especially since now it's tied to Elon Musk. But in one sentence or less, Hosky token on Cardano literally bills itself as like a shit coin node, like doggo coin meme token that has no value. Don't expect any value. (laughs) Their NFTs are literally called cash grab NFTs. Like it's all out in the open, but it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be welcoming. It's supposed to teach people about Cardano. And I mean, I just pulled some tokens today. I think I'm a millionaire in terms of Hosky tokens. It has like no real value, but they provide a staking pool for Cardano. They've been helping uh, refugees at the UN. They have a staking pool, you know, with refugees uh, there. It's one of those fascinating projects that i think it was started during the bull, if i'm getting the timeline correctly but it's one of those things that during the bear it's doing well because it has never tried to be anything other than what it is and this is when cardano is like what 26 cents something like that it's it's down pretty bad who <laughs> one 90 <telling> like <laughs> yeah, percent one shudders to think what what will happen with Hosky token if cardano actually reaches ten dollars uh, having talked to mr Hosky himself and having interacted with people in the Hosky token community it is a very loving warming and welcoming community once again comparing it to doge i'd like to think that it's going to be like that but of course nobody can ever predict what the future will hold so i'm just gonna have my fingers crossed and uh, pray for Mister Hosky there. That's that's an interesting example of a project that stays on one chain and uh, continues to do what it says it's going to do. Provides a whole lot of fun in the process with no, you know, clear or interesting
0: path to financialization. Yeah, and and I would say that's totally fine, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I think that's a good thing to have in the space of people being like just trying to have fun, just trying to do good. If we make money in the meantime, that's great because it just helps us have more fun and do more good for the community versus versus what we commonly see, which is people coming in under the guise of like this is going to be an amazing thing. It's going to benefit all of you. You just need to buy my NFTs and buy my tokens to participate in the system. And then you'll be able to do all these amazing things. And it's different when there is like a legitimate, you know smart contract development team back in that like I would argue sarcophagus from what I've read and what you told me legitimately has things backing that and that's fine and I'm not knocking them for that because they're like well it's what works in our ecosystem to help us gauge and work with the other ecosystems based on their unique protocol like what they're trying to do versus somebody being like so what does your thing do and they're just like oh like it's just it's it's nothing like create like sarcophagus is new I think it's actually a really good aspect to have for smart contracts but like i'm trying to think of like a crappy example because like where somebody would just be like oh yeah it just like writes the smart contract for you and you're like i mean i i guess like i could just ask gpt4 to do that or i could just hire a developer someone for what like 30 40 maybe 50 dollars an hour and they could just be like look i'm just trying to do something simple just write this for me And they're like yeah and i'll do it and you're you're like so why do i need like a whole protocol and someone else doing that for me and you're like i don't know like i'm sure there's somebody who might actually do that and spin it a good way. I just can't think of it, but I also don't know enough. I'm not a developer, so
1: yeah. And I mean, real quick, sarcophagus.io is it's supposed to be a decentralized dead man switch. That's sort of a hard concept to parse out here, and honestly, I'm still learning a lot about it. I know the the basics of it, but it truly is decentralized, and it is a DAO structure. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. I'll try not to comment too much on it because people should just go to sarcophagus.io and learn for themselves. But what we're getting at here is projects like that. And I would even say, you know, um, uh, Hosky Token or any of the Web3 games that are coming out right now during the bear market, they've been around for years. They're actually doing what they say that they're trying to do. And what I think you're trying to get at, Matthew, is that, there's a lot of people that come in. You'll see this during the bowl. Don't worry, it's gonna happen during this bowl, too. Where they'll use the the plug words where they're like, we're decentralized, bro. Get our NFTs so we can so you can get access to our community and like do that. They'll name all the buzzwords, just like snake mm-hmm. oil salesmen in the old west. And you might even want to buy one of these NFTs because they won't uh, be too much or get some of these tokens or do whatever. But the fundamentals. Of any project are just like they end up being like the fundamentals of bitcoin or the fundamentals of ethereum or the fundamentals of cardano are they fucking doing what they say that they're actually going to be doing and that's always the bottom line to look at no matter whether you just got into this last week or you've been an og for you know 10 years almost um i was about to say like me but i haven't been in for 10 years seven seven (laughs) years or so (laughs) I was just up and in for twenty years, bro, and you're like, dude, it's only existed for four days. <laughs> oh, Yeah, that's a that's another good way to spot somebody. You know, we laugh about that. That's actually a good way to spot um, that somebody's a faker because last year was terrible for crypto. Uh, Alex Mashinsky from Celsius finally looks like he got arrested. You know, Sam bankman freed. I think he's in jail now. Like, there's all sorts of stuff here that's happening, but be aware and beware of grandiose promises made by people who, just because you are a JavaScript developer in web two does not mean you are ready to take on a DAO. It, just because you were the head of marketing at some successful startup does not necessarily mean that's gonna transfer to web three. This is its own whole thing. And even older people in the space, literally older, and by older, I just mean veterans too, They usually will tell you that they have a pretty good grasp on everything and they know about what they're specifically doing, but they're still learning as well. I mean, for God's sakes, Cardano uh, and Bitcoin, they're not the same as they were a couple of years ago. They've gone through improvement upgrades. There's new things that are happening in the protocol. And if you're not staying ahead of that, like if you don't know what Taproot is on Bitcoin, you could be an OG Bitcoiner, but you're not up to date with what's happening with the protocol now. And that is the slowest blockchain to evolve. So the fact that there's new stuff happening on Bitcoin, there's, I mean, sometimes some stuff on these chains changes within a couple of days, a couple of hours, a couple of weeks. It's all about you know having a good head on your shoulders and once again, knowing the fundamentals.
0: Yeah. And I I do think it's crazy that, you know, I think we've discussed this ad nauseum. Again, neither of us identify or say we're Bitcoin maxis, but I think we understand and realize the importance of Bitcoin in the ecosystem as a whole and how fundamentally important it is to cryptocurrencies as a whole. And there's just so many people out there that, you know, if you're trying to be like, hey, I want you to support Bitcoin like out in the public, they're like, oh, yeah, like, head nod like tip my hat to it like yeah it's it's a cool thing but like they're like dude there's just so many other things going on but then consistently both you and i have been like if you get people alone and like really like get to talk to them and get to know them they're just like oh yeah of course it's like a super important thing like of course like we know like bitcoin goes to zero realistically most every other cryptocurrency is going to go to zero it sets the standard everything follows it and again every i've lost track of how many times they're like bitcoin is dead memes And again, as someone who does not, I don't think I'm a maxi at all. But I think it's funny that, you know, people are like, yeah, if Bitcoin's dead, you're like, why does it keep getting updated? Why do people keep developing on it? Especially somebody like, why on earth did somebody develop Web3 gaming capabilities on Bitcoin if Bitcoin is dead and not important? And I think twofold. I think, one, people who really believe in Bitcoin for the long term, like, want to keep adding value to it, whatever that value may be. And two. I think there are just people out there who want to see what is possible. And they're like, look, if it's possible to do on the oldest, like most dinosaur antiquated chain in terms of like difficulty to like make things happen, it's a hundred percent possible on any other chain after that.
1: Oh yeah. And I mean, I'm happy to do a deep dive into this cause it is, it's both an incredibly simple subject and an incredibly complex nuanced subject, but you know, but, people, Anytime, I I think I've only gotten one or two people alone to where they said, oh, they don't own any Bitcoin. And it's usually because uh, people have a psychological barrier. Like they bought at the top of the last bull market and they think it's like Bitcoin's fault that it went down, even though nobody controls the market. Or there's such, you know, I've met a couple of ETH Maxis like this where they're just like, I don't think Bitcoin's going to survive 50 years into the future. That's fine. I mean, if you're trying to make a multi-generational investment, Sure, you wouldn't want to invest in anything that you thought would go down. But no matter which way you parse it, whether you're a developer or whether you're interested in multiple chains or anything like that, this is easily publicly available information. You can go on CoinMarketCap right now. I'll do it as we talk. And you can see that Bitcoin is always the financial leader in the market right now. Once again, terrible, terrible bear market. Bitcoin's at around 25,000 or so. This is even after Grayscale has won their their lawsuit about uh, getting a spot Bitcoin ETF. Bitcoin's total market capitalization is just shy of 500 billion dollars, not million, billion. Ethereum, which is the number 2, is almost at 200 billion, then Tether, which is number 3, is at 82 billion, then BNB is at 32 and it keeps going down from there. And people are like, well, you know, but Bitcoin isn't innovative. Bitcoin doesn't do this. Bitcoin doesn't do that. We also have to understand, too, that crypto, as a financialized market, Bitcoin is a financial asset. It's serving its role as digital gold, as a store of value. Bitcoin was originally built as a value transfer protocol. And it is just that, is a value transfer protocol. It has some programmability features to it, but people are having to layer Those programmability features on top of what is like a very simple uh, sort of like ossified base layer. It's sort of the, the opposite of Ethereum where you have a lot more programmability at the base layer. But if Bitcoin were to suddenly go to zero, if Bitcoin were to suddenly, I don't know, fall apart, be hacked, things like that, the market would tank. There's no doubt about that because all the prices of all pretty much every other asset in the crypto market follow Bitcoins. Does that mean that Ethereum would go away? Does that mean that Cardano would go away? Does that mean that uh, Avalanche or BNB, does it mean that those would go away if Bitcoin went to zero? Not necessarily because they're great software that works, but the price would certainly go so far down that you might not have enough market support to like, Eat people in those chains. So it's always this weird balance between the technology might be super sound on anything other than Bitcoin. uh, And it is, you know, once again, Cardano for an example, but these are related to price. You can sort of see the different chains like stock prices for the ecosystems that they're developing. I love Cardano. I'm neutral on ETH. I like a lot of these other chains, but if there's no money in them, It becomes a volunteer project just like anything else. And it's very difficult to keep massive, massive blockchain networks going on a volunteer basis. So if Bitcoin just keeps doing its role as a financial asset and being pristine collateral and helping the ecosystem, I'm not worried about any of the other chains. But that's where you sort of get into People not liking that Bitcoin has innovation on it, people not liking that Bitcoin could be used for DeFi, people not liking that Bitcoin could be used for ordinals or any of the other myriad of arguments um, that both Bitcoin lovers and Bitcoin haters get into. It's just a reality that if you observe the market for even a month, you'll see that the prices go up and down correlated to Bitcoin. Will that always be true? Nobody knows. Has that been true since the crypto market started? Pretty much.
0: Yeah, and I think the main thing here is there's no way of knowing if the ecosystem as a whole would survive or what kind of damage would be done should Bitcoin go to zero. So it's, it is it is all happenstance um, to say, but I think, you know, just as an outside observer, I guess, am I an outside observer really though? But you know what I mean? Just as an outside observer of looking at the markets and seeing how things trend with Bitcoin like We've discussed this so many times when Bitcoin goes up, everything goes up. Even if it's only by like four, five, six, seven 7%. When Bitcoin goes down, everything goes down. It's rare that the opposite inverse happens in either of those situations, which has happened with some random stuff, but it's usually shit coins, meme coins during their release pump and dump. It's not like a consistent actual project is like Bitcoin's going down, but matic polygon has gone up six percent and has been for the last week and you're like well is something big going on on matic right now and you're like actually yeah and you're like okay so that's reasonable it's just different timing but more often than not that's just not the case at all so it's hard to say hard to know what would happen but i think the charts and trends kind of speak for themselves and i think if you're just somebody who observes the cycles long enough it seems pretty the writing's on the wall it seems pretty apparent at least but um you know I would love to see models where they're just like, if Bitcoin goes to zero, here's what happens to everything based on the data we have versus they're like, here's what would survive, here's what wouldn't survive. Here's what would happen like three, four, five years out. I agree with you. I think even if Bitcoin went to zero, I don't think Ethereum would disappear. I don't think – I would just say this. I don't think any of the top 10 tokens would disappear. I think those people would still keep doing their projects, keep working on them. It just may lose like t- – seriously like 90 or 95 percent of its value i could could totally see that happening then maybe bouncing back slowly over time and it's like i mean technically if bitcoin did go away ethereum becomes the de facto leader because as far as i understand they're not going anywhere and i don't think they would go anywhere with all the work they're doing with the ethereum foundation and the and the fact that it's essentially the computer network of as the ethereum virtual machines for cryptocurrencies that i can't imagine the value it brings to the network which is dissipate because uh, bitcoin ceases to exist or it loses its value so i agree with you though i think it would be probably the equivalent of like the great what is it a uh, black tuesday of like but for like the crypto markets like well
1: you know and it's sort of like this is going to be an imperfect analogy but if you sort of look at bitcoin as the market leader like the u.s stock market right If the US stock market went to zero, that would be really, really bad. Like, I don't think that anybody wants that to happen. But the US isn't the only country in the world. It's not the, you know, it's not the only person or uh, place doing stuff. It's not the only place where there's raw materials, you can make stuff. But there's no, like, there's no question that it is the market leader for so many reasons, because it serves its purpose sort of as a Capital allocator as a place for people to manufacture stuff, as a place for companies to be headquartered, uh, as a place for you know education or educated people to go to collaboration. We could just go on down the list. It, it you know Ethereum would not stop building itself. Cardano would not stop building itself. Uh, Avalanche would not stop build. There are lots of projects that would go on, but I would seriously, and I don't think that this is a overestimation i would seriously expect the crypto market to lose 99% of its value if something happened to bitcoin at least in the short term and when i say short term i would be talking about bare minimum 6 months to a couple years mm-hmm. who knows how it would trend back up and who knows if somebody would try to quote create you know or replicate bitcoin uh, maybe on the ethereum network or something else but it would be it's It's hard to make analogies to that because it's it would be like pulling out the foundation of a market, pulling out the block of an entire market, which I'm sure there are historical examples of, but I'm struggling to think about any.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always think about it as if nothing else. Some people might it's more than that, but I think some people can look at it as if we're looking at it as the liquid gold, I'm sorry, as the as the um, digital gold. Liquid um, gold for some, yeah, I know. uh Freaking, that just mm-hmm. makes me think of the Velveeta commercial. Or is <laughs> yeah. liquid gold in these hills? Velveeta is,
1: Velveeta is liquid gold,
0: but you meant to say digital gold. Digital gold, yes. And it's it's almost like if you want to look at it this way, you could be like, Bitcoin is the liquidity pool for like the crypto ecosystem as a whole. you're Like if it if it it's it's a very good reserve for everything else to basically justify its value. Or whether that's increased or decreased off of. And so to have that suddenly destroyed or, or rugged or pulled away or removed, like it, it gives a lot of people to go, well, shit. If I don't have some sort of pegged value system that, like, I know a lot of people are putting consistently injecting money and believe in, it's like, why does that give any value or money to my thing? I mean, it's no different than like if everybody in the US woke up tomorrow, looked at their green monopoly money, was like, wait a minute. This doesn't mean anything you'd be like oh yeah the value would plummet but because the perceived belief that it has value through either good services whatever and it's consistently there that's that's not reasonably going to happen either hopefully anytime soon at all but like you're just like yeah it's not backed by anything it doesn't it just represents a value of something again uh was it george collin who's just like yeah you get the you get the best deal he's like You'll give him this stupid little piece of paper and you're like, I got, I got food. I got clothes. You're like, this is the best deal ever. Like, <laughs> well, it was Alan Watts, but I could, That's see right. Carlin, I could see George Carlin
1: doing better than that, you know, based on his wit and all that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, Terra Luna, the algorithmic stable coin, when it collapsed last year, they were trying to because people had been telling them, they said, eh, this thing might be unstable based on the uh, based on the tokenomics of it and the the you know the algorithm that's keeping it going," uh, which I'm I don't think I'm smart enough to understand. I had somebody explain to me once, and I said, "I don't know. It kind of seems like a scam." And it <laughs> and then in, 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 it ended up being a scam. Anyways, they were trying to collateralize it before mm-hmm. all the stuff started happening last year by buying Bitcoin, and then what was happening? As it was collapsing, they were selling Bitcoin onto the market to try and prop up what was happening with that stablecoin. So people can poo-poo Bitcoin all they want to, and people do all the time. What I think is always funny is that in the traditional world, in the non-crypto world, Bitcoin is like this crazy risky asset where you're like, no, like you can't invest in Bitcoin. You have to invest in like stocks and bonds and real estate and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then in the crypto world, if you tell people that you're like, ah, all I have is Bitcoin, they're like, bro, what are you, 75 years old? Like Bitcoin doesn't do anything. Like, are you kidding me? Like, why don't you just hide money under your mattress? And so well, what's interesting about that is both of those concepts agree with the fact that you're like, well, it's, you know, it's a store of value. One person just seen it as a hedge uh which you know is still risky like gold in the modern world it's riskier to have gold than it is to have real estate productive stocks things like that just because it's it's harder to transfer things like that but people are seeing it as like oh it's a store of value and then in the crypto world people are seeing it as like oh it's moving too slow it's not appreciating fast enough it doesn't have these productive elements this productive capacity that any of the other chains or any of the other projects have and so you're you're constantly fighting these two different narratives but they're all they're sort of converging on the same road which is that people no matter whether it's in the uh traditional world as a hedge or the crypto world as pristine collateral have sort of everybody agrees that bitcoin has some sort of value and it's going to stay stable and it's a decent thing to invest in it shows how much how much value will it have how will, you know, you custody it. Self-custody is a big thing in the Bitcoin world, not necessarily the crypto or the traditional world. And um, that narrative is just going to continue to evolve with the foundations or the layers that are built on top of it. Um, You know, will Bitcoin ordinals, will certain Bitcoin ordinals be great stores of value, just like the I don't know, the Mona Lisa or classical books of art, because they're on Bitcoin? Will stablecoins on Bitcoin be more used than Tether or USDC now? I don't know. Nobody has the answer to these questions. But the fact that, I know that you wanted to talk about this, the fact that you're going to have exchange-traded funds now buying Bitcoin uh, for spot ETFs, once again, just glance at the news for 10 minutes and you'll see that people are freaking out about it in both ways. And once again, what does it come to? Bitcoin must have some sort of value moving forward. Otherwise, this would just be ignored. Nobody would care. People would be like, Bitcoin, what is Bitcoin?
0: Well, yeah. And even just like with them them finally trying to get regulation around crypto and stuff, which you could argue is twofold. Two reasons. They're just like, look, we're sick of People getting scammed, especially the little people, which, like, as much as I want to believe they care, I'm sorry, since the little people get scammed every day and every way by by and for um the larger state, city governmental entities. It's hard to believe that's the reason. Two main thing is they're just like, Hey, we're missing our slice of the pie for taxes on this stuff. Not cool. We need regulation to get our cut. And then also, too, like, as again, like once they're cuts and they're like, Oh, yeah, and also so people don't get like screwed over, you know, like that's the main thing. But Yeah, again, I would say if this whole thing is like voodoo voodoo magic and like literally means nothing and isn't backed by anything and it's just like crazy, you're like, okay, why are there legitimate, again, legitimate financial investment firms that are basically titans and legends in their own industry being like, yeah, we'd like to offer that as like an option for people because clearly enough people have expressed interest or they're clearly like, you know, even if it's only like, 10 20 million a year are missing out on revenue. They've clearly done the math. I would like to bay. I'd like to believe I'm like, these people are much smarter than me and understand finance is way better than me. They've done the math to realize like it's a missed opportunity market, and there's no reason for them to not pursue it. And go, does it bring in even anywhere close to what everything else does? They're like, no, but it's it's literally extra numbers on the sheet. Why would we ignore it if people want it and are willing to put money in it? So that's another thing where I'm like, once you have. I don't even want to call it mass adoption or uh, like a mainstream appeal. You just have people who clearly understand finances far better than I do, are far smarter going, there's something to this. There's an idea in there. And uh, I think it's something we could capitalize on. And you're like, okay, well, if Bitcoin wasn't worth capitalizing on, why would they even bother with this? Like you said, they'd just be like, they would have just said what they said basically up until, gosh, even 2020, whether in the back rooms they were saying otherwise, they're just like, oh, it's just like this, like, wishy-washy like vaporware coin like it's not going to do anything we don't care about it like nobody's going to nobody's going to worry about it nobody's going to actually put money in it and then lo and behold finally they're like actually i think we want to and we will so as soon as like any litigate i mean again you know they were talking about it in the backrooms because as soon as any sort of litigation came out of regulation everybody was throwing their hat and being like hey we've been waiting for this like you're like how long how many years it's anybody's guess but the fact that they've been waiting and in my opinion, probably done the research to go, there's some value to this. It 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 shouldn't be something that justifies to you being like, see, I was right. Like there is value in Bitcoin. It should just be like, it should be like almost like a small signal to be like, oh, if you thought this thing was useless and dumb, like you may want to just like do a little more research and think again, because arguably people who know much more than you, market-wise, financial-wise, like think differently, whether that's just to get money or because there's actually something more to it you have to you know do your own research and come to your own conclusions
1: sure yeah and, and even if you just want to if you're being super pessimistic and cynical and you want to chalk this all up to big wall street bros and whatever speculating on you can at least put 1% in to where you're like well if it's it, it people have done the research to seem that it's worth speculating on enough that they're comfortable with the amount of risk and it's interesting to think about fidelity actually was super super early on this i think they came out with papers as early as like 2014 or 2015 and they were the first big like uh, investment firm to have a digital assets division where they have literal papers i've i've read them some of them are actually quite well written uh, for the average person where they talk about bitcoin as an investment they don't talk about any other crypto assets i'm not sure what fidelity is is doing with those there are people that are playing around with Ethereum is a commodity and Ethereum futures. But Fidelity was way ahead of the curve talking about Bitcoin is different. They clearly understood the network. They understood its value proposition, its limited supply cap, um, the reason why I used proof of work to secure the network, all the sort of things that if you are you know, even moderately into Bitcoin, you're aware of. But what's really interesting about that is Fidelity was the only one, and even though Fidelity is really well-respected, the rest of like the traditional finance world, and people that were in the know, so to speak, including, let's say, you know, Jamie Dimon, who's the head of uh, Chase Bank, and Larry Fink, who's the head of BlackRock, the biggest investment you know, portfolio or investment arm in the world, they would publicly say, it. they'd be like, well, yeah, you can think that. Well, Warren Buffett would also say this too. They're like, yeah, you can think that. And uh, that sounds cool, but like Bitcoin's a scam. Bitcoin's a Ponzi. Like Bitcoin doesn't mean anything. And they were saying that for years and years and years and years and years. Warren Buffett's still saying that, by the way. But uh, they were saying that for years until, I don't know, something changed this year. Sometime, you know Something finally clicked, something whatever. And you can just don't listen to me. Listen to people smarter than me. Go look up the papers from ARK Investments. I think BlackRock just put out another one on portfolio allocation. People that are financial professionals, even if you don't believe in that term, which really all that is is like risk management and evaluating why something is financialized and why it would be worth anything people that have you know people that are economists things like that they seem to have seen the writing on the wall to where they're like yeah this asset's here to stay it's different it it has digital scarcity it is quote real people have asked for it all sorts of reasons so that they could buy this digital commodity and put it in an etf which is an exchange traded fund that would trade on the U.S. stock market, the biggest stock market in the world. What is that going to mean for Bitcoin? People are like, "There's going to be billions of dollars that flow into Bitcoin." True, but as I went over earlier, there's already 500 billion dollars in Bitcoin. Um, so, is it going to like move the needle and give us a million dollar Bitcoin or thing like that? It's probably definitely going to help. Uh, it's better than not having an ETF, or it's better than not having, not being able to. You know, go to Chase and buy Bitcoin and hopefully self custody it and do all the stuff that you need to do. But is it going to be like earth shattering and crazy for Bitcoin? Once again, nobody knows. And anybody who tells you that they know is a liar. So (laughs) you don't want to predict the future. If I could predict the future, well, I ought to be on this freaking podcast with you. I'd just be doing the stuff that I knew was going to happen in the future. And I'd be a millionaire sipping on banana smoothies and living my best life.
0: I think that's what we all aim for in life, honestly. Well, and the only thing I wanted to note about what you said is, you know, at its all time high, Bitcoin's market cap with the current supply was a trillion dollar market cap. And you're like, I always wondered, I never did this research, honestly, because I forgot. Like, remember when I'm pretty sure it was Apple was the first like trillion dollar revenue company and they were like, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. It's never before happened. I always wondered where when Bitcoin's market cap was that. I was like, had to be less than 10. Things in the world outside of like literally like a government economy, that I was like the market cap or fully diluted like revenue of that thing is a trillion dollars. And I want to say it was other than Apple, maybe Microsoft, Google. I want to say by the time that happened, I was like, there wasn't even five companies that had made a trillion dollars in profit. But maybe I'm wrong. So that's why I say top 10. And that's always something that I like point to people. I'm like, look, just being able to reach that goal isn't in, is insane considering you can argue and be like oh yeah like the, the it doesn't provide any commodity or any good or any service even though like I think you and I both would disagree with that and say it does you're like it's basically people like it's its own like weird economy and like it just has value based on perception you're like yeah sure so you could argue it does way less work provides way less value provides way less commodity than like apple or google or microsoft ever do yet it was able to gain a revenue stream in a far shorter time, just based on. I, I, if we're gonna compare it in a percentage work, I'm sure most people would be like, "Dude, it's like it's like comparing like a company of five people to like a company of like eighty thousand people." You're like, "Of course, the company with eighty thousand people made a a trillion dollars. How did the company with five people do it?" And you're like, "I don't know, man. Clearly, they had a good product and people really fucking believed in it." So I just always say to something, I'm like, "Dude, I I think people, I think people always overlook that fact because." I don't remember if any other crypto has broken the trillion dollar market cap yet. I don't know if Ethereum ever did at any point. I don't think it has because how could it? Like, there's, I mean, I know it has more supply, but I, as far as I understand, Bitcoin's been the only one to do that. And so, again, for how long it's been, how that, that just doing that feat, I think should just make you go, maybe, maybe there's something more to this than I'm thinking because even in, our capitalist like economy, there are few companies who have ever made that. And most of the companies that have done that have been around far more than far longer than Bitcoin's been around, yeah, so
1: specifically, you've you piqued my interest here. Bitcoin had the highest market capitalization of one point two eight trillion on November 9th, twenty twenty one so pro- so around its all-time highs of like sixty something uh, I'm sorry, $69,000 or something like that for a coin. And it's, it's interesting for you to bring that up because yeah, when we compare it to companies or single entities, something that is a, an asset or one organization, yes, that's phenomenal. Obviously, um, you know, the GDP of the United States and the GDP of some countries are more than a trillion dollars, but that's like a conglomeration of stuff. And then if you look at like the wealth in the world, like, The real estate market is many, many trillions of dollars. I'm getting this off the top of my head. I think like the world, if you combine the world stock markets, it's like $90 trillion or something like that. Michael Saylor usually rumbles off these numbers. But obviously, those are collections. Those are amalgamations of lots of sort of stuff. This is one single asset, one single network breaking a trillion dollars. I think that it's significant personally. I also think it's worth bringing up because you know, let's steel man this a little bit. If it was truly fake, if it was truly a Ponzi scheme, if it's really a scam and there's just no value in it, it's kind of phenomenal that it has persisted this long. Like I remember people saying the exact same thing about Beanie Babies, uh, different types of collectibles, all sorts of other things that I don't think that they were a scam or a Ponzi, although that would be really fun funny if beanie baby was ponzi uh would have been the cutest ponzi i think that's ever been perpetuated it's usually fads scams they don't they can't really have a long life because the foundation is rotten it's like a house like it even if you have a great house that looks amazing on the top if it's got that shitty foundation sorry just over time it doesn't And you can say that about anything. You can say that about businesses, relationships, whatever. If the foundation is rotten, if there's really no core, it just doesn't have the staying power. So the fact that I understand that people don't like the price of Bitcoin right now, but that's based on supply and demand economics. Arguably, nothing has changed about the protocol. It's actually more robust and has more features than ever before. More people use it than ever before. Nothing has changed except for the price because the market has changed. So you know another question to ask yourself: why would Blackrock uh fidelity, um you know Vanguard now investing in a whole bunch of mining stocks, all this other stuff? Why would publicly traded companies want to get involved in a scam if it's so easy to prove that it's a scam and a ponzi and all that? I know that you know people there have been public investments in company before good example is FTX that ended up being a scam but that sort of proves my point FTX was only around i think it was incorporated in 2017 and it fell last year so it had a staying power of and who knows how long that scam was going on versus when it was a legitimate company people invested in that they shouldn't have but the scam happened and now they're no longer invested in it it didn't have a long staying power because it was not legitimate Bitcoin's now been around 14 years. It's going on 15. Uh, it's fully open and auditable. Same thing is happening. It's simply a value transfer protocol. You you compared it to Apple and you said, well, it may not be as productive as these companies or other things like that. True. And a lot of people say that argument. I would ask a more philosophical question that I've heard Michael Saylor ask before, which is, Okay, it doesn't produce phones, Coca-Cola, anything that we think of as as value. But is there some sort of value to you in having an uncensorable, unstoppable value transfer protocol that can be used by anybody that is based on physics and math? The market seems to have decided that it's worth around $26,000 a coin. Most people aren't trading whole coins anymore because of the limited supply. People are still trading Satoshis. They're using the network. You can go and look on mempool.space. There's 10 minutes does not go by without a block being filled. So I'd leave it up to the viewer to decide whether they think that is valuable. It's just a different type of value than the productive capacity of companies or organizations or what we historically think about as
0: value. Yeah, and so I did look it up. So I think at the time, at its all-time, when Bitcoin was valued at a trillion, there was less than five companies that had been valued at a trillion. Currently, as of June 30th, 2023, there's only six companies that have a trillion-dollar company. Apple leads literally $3 trillion valuation. Wow. And the next one after that is… Saudi Aramco at 2 trillion, the state-backed oil and gas company. Sure. Which is the only non-tech business worth more than a trillion. Every other one is tech. Uh Google, obviously, Alphabet, one and a half trillion. Amazon 1.3 trillion. And then only since the AI revolution, Nvidia, which topped over at a trillion, literally. It's just at one trillion. Before that, yeah, they were multi-billion dollar, but since the AI shit, they've fucking blown up. And so that's only six companies. And you're like, that's crazy. So we know that AI shit literally is only within the last pff, 12 to 18 months at best, I'll say. It's a revolution, bro. So definitely during Bitcoin's last bull market, it was – that, that just, that's just what is so impressive to me or just so interesting to me as you're like at that time. Still, I would love to look at all the top companies in the world that are worth up to 500 billion and more and see where it ranks in there just out of curiosity. But yeah, I agree. I literally everything you said before that. Completely agree with. Um I just think it's a I think a lot of people it's a wait and see game, but I think there's far more people who it's instead of a wait and see, it's a it's a wait and invest game and just be like what's going to happen? Anybody's guess, but enough people clearly believe in it long term that unless some monumental thing happened like satoshi comes out and he's like gotcha and he moves all his coins and sells them immediately it's just like i don't i don't see it going anywhere or anything changing anytime soon uh the most i think again the thing they're most susceptible for and as we've discussed as time goes on this is less likely to happen is still the um 51 percent nation state attack and worst comes to worst they still have the nuclear option of doubling the uh the security hash from is it at two fifty six now, or would they double it?
1: Oh, oh gosh, uh, two fifty six. Shot two fifty six. Um, that's what it's currently at, I, right? Yeah, that's a great. That's a great technical question. I'm not the person to ask the super technical question, but I know what you're saying. Well, VJ they would just Boy double Potty, it to five twelve. Yeah, VJ Boy Potty, and Andreas Antonopoulos. Any of the actual OGs in the Bitcoin space that are more technically focused, especially software engineers. Uh, you can just go look that up, you know, pause this podcast, go look it up, the nuclear option. Yeah, it just becomes less possible day after day after day. And even if you're only holding $100 worth of Bitcoin, it's like there's so many people around the world that are just invested in keeping that store of value and believe that it's going to go up. And there's so many different things now, especially with ordinals and the Stacks Protocol and Bitcoin DeFi and just all sorts of stuff going on in Bitcoin because it seems boring that I really I just don't see this train stopping anytime soon. And as long as this, and people sort of, they don't want the Bitcoin train to stop because as we previously discussed earlier in this episode, that train stops, there's a whole lot of cars that it's pulling behind it that are, they're going to get thrown off the train track and it's pretty damn hard to put a train back on the train track without the engine and get it moving along. It can be done. It's just not fun and it's not <laughs> it's not very efficient. So Ethereum would have to become the leader and it serves a very different purpose than Bitcoin, and it is um, a little bit more fractured and might not have the 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 widespread appeal that bitcoin does and it also has leaders it has a foundation it has a human element to it that could sort of uh, corrupt it being the leader whereas you know bitcoin doesn't have that so i think we're fine in the long term and that's why i think maybe we should end on why it's interesting that bitcoin city you know knowing all of this is being built and you say well why would you want to build a web3 game why would you want to build functionality on top of bitcoin you say because it's deceptively simple and that is why it is deceptively robust. If it's going to be around, it's going to be simple, and it's going to be unchanging. That means that when you layer stuff on top of it, you can be reasonably sure, just like building on concrete or building on solid rock. You can be reasonably sure that whatever you build upon it is going to stay there for the long term. And Bitcoin City has, it's even changed since you first uh, showed it to me. It's- yeah. It's just like a new way to view Bitcoin. And what I thought was actually super interesting, and I'll, I'll let you comment on it. Not only do they have GameFi, DeFi, NFTs, AI stuff, um, they actually have a section called Trustless Computer, where they're allowing people to build Bitcoin L2s in one click on uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. And when you hear the word Trustless Computer, I immediately think of Ethereum. Ethereum is supposed to be the world's computer, supposed to be the programmable computer, the programmable blockchain if you could even bring 5% of that functionality to Bitcoin on a layer two, and Bitcoin's not going to move and it's going to stay around, it I think it will make Bitcoin better and Ethereum better. It, it's just like it revs up the use cases for some, something that is going to stay around and, and stick around. But I'm interested to see what, what you think about Bitcoin City because it's a, it's an interesting way to humanize sort of a, the abstract concepts within bitcoin
0: well yeah and the coolest thing about that trustless computer is as far as i understand and i'm blanking on his name um one of the developers for the project on twitter um the coolest thing about that is how they've they've created their own layer to essentially chain that uses the ethereum virtual machine to operate smart contracts in their own way on bitcoin but what i loved about the tr- and as far as I understand, he called that trustless computer. So as far as I understand, this is him, his thing that he developed before, and he's bringing – that was just one of many things. He's like, well, new Bitcoin city, this is just one of many things we can add to it. GameFi, DeFi, MTs was all after the fact. It sounds like it started with trustless computer. But the coolest thing that I liked about the trustless computer aspect is it's co—it's no coding. So like, you don't have to – it's not for people who are like, oh, man, you're a coder and you want to build Layer 2 blockchain specifically on Bitcoin. Got to know how to code, which is how most places are. They specifically are like, oh, it's no coding. You're not going to have to do anything. Um, You're going to be able to choose the block time. The coolest thing to me that I really want to see done is you can choose pre installed dApps so that you could launch a DEX, a DAO, an NFT marketplace. And I'm sure they're going to add more. And then you just launch it. And I'm going to be very curious to see the DAOs that get launched as a big fan of DAOs on through new Bitcoin city on layer two blockchain, because I'm sure people have ideas beyond, you know um, what other DAOs may already be doing, maybe something unique to this. But I think the coolest thing is just the fact that it seems really like plug and play. Like it's going to be very simple and straightforward for, I I feel like for someone like you or me who like, we're not developers, I'm not going to pretend I understand development. I feel like you or I could go in and be like, I just want to launch a DAO. For a game that I have connected through New Bitcoin City. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's this easy. Like the dApp's already there, it's everything. And I'm sure, I'm sure if you want, there's probably the creative freedom to develop and code your own way as well. I think they're yeah. just trying to make it as seamless and easy for a lot of people. The game side, I think, it has been the like last thing they thought of because since they've revamped, initially they had a lot of really interesting games that look like they were going to put on. And since they've revamped, I don't know if it's just they had to do a hard pump of the brakes and go, whoa, we we kind of jumped the gun. We're not ready yet. So we're gonna peel it back and wait. Or if they decided that doesn't want to be their focus. So it's the only thing I don't I don't want to say I dislike. I just the game fi side of things now doesn't look as robust as it used to be. Like also too, I will say, I don't know if it's just because we're in the US or what, but like you can't play any of the practice games. It just says, like, oh, sorry. It's not available in your country or region. And you're like, oh, so could <laughs> could what about when it thing. could be a what could be a U.S. thing? Sure. And that's the thing is it's like, so when it launches, will I be able to play on them? And like, what's the way around that? Like, is there going to be a way around that or are we just not going to be able to do it? And so that's the only thing I looked at that I was just like, hmm, because initially when they launched it, I remember I went to you I was like, oh, because we both like chess. I was like, dude, they're doing like a 3D chess you can play that like has more fun look like more fun looking aspects to it. And also like you could play other people and like win Bitcoin from it. I was like, that sounds like a lot of fun. I would totally play. Well, and I think before they developed their TC token, it was going to be like, you would just put up Bitcoin and play. And I was like, that sounds cool. I would do that or give it a try at least. And now it seems to be revamped, reorganized that I don't know if that's going to be the case. So it's kind of like we're going to have to wait and see, but I love the concept overall. Of them combining a multitude of not only existing uh, factors within crypto, but like putting it all, all the, all the Bitcoin stuff coming up, you know, and putting it all together um, in one place. So that if somebody like wanted to get into it, it would not be hard for them to discover and figure out a lot of things through new Bitcoin city, as opposed to in the past, they've all been very fractured in their own. Ecosystems doing their own things, not that there's anything wrong with that, it's just um, it's just how it seems to have been up until the creation of New Bitcoin City.
1: Well, and it sort of seems like it's maybe going to be a digital equivalent of uh, Bitcoin Park and Bitcoin Commons, which are like these physical representations of Bitcoin developers and Bitcoin companies that we have here in the meat space. I was just thinking when you were talking about the chess game, I was like, man, because we play chess what a high stakes chess game if when you lose <laughs> you're forfeiting bitcoin because in order to win bitcoin somebody has to put up bitcoin that's how betting works in case there are not gambling men in the audience uh, for every winner there's a loot gambling is a zero-sum game unlike bitcoin where if you invest and you hold and you you do things it's sort of a rising tide lifts all boats what i think is actually super interesting about new Bitcoin city is if you look at the about page, they've given themselves a five-year timeline and they're super honest because they're like, look, bro, this is hard. (laughs) We're going to take five years. We think in five years, we can do a lot of stuff. And I actually, I actually really respect that because let's imagine that you look at your life and you look at your life as a timeline. And uh, you know, you say, uh, you know, you say, Oh, I got a little bit of pudge on me. I'd like to have a six pack. Well, if you gave yourself five years, not only is that an achievable goal, but you can goof up a whole bunch of times along the way and still course correct. It, it's a realistic timeline. Like if you, if you're just like, yeah, I want a six pack by next Thanksgiving. And then you come to next Thanksgiving and you're like, well, you still uh, packing on that pudge, Jay. Eh? You're like, yeah, I just couldn't cut out sugar. And I, I learned that I was exercising wrong. And like, I goofed up and all this, but you know, five years down the line, people are like, how'd you do it? You did it overnight. You're like, well, no, it's actually in year three, I started to gain a lot of traction and now I'm just on that, that good path. I think they also recognize too, that it is, I don't want to say it's hard to innovate on Bitcoin, but it's because of the lack of programmability because there's no human, you know, control, there's no company, there's nothing like that. It is, you have to actually sometimes I think be more creative to innovate on Bitcoin because you're operating within a stricter set of rules and you're operating where everything's having to come back down to this base layer value transfer protocol. So when they say like, I would love to see, you know, the launching of the Dow um, or launching of Dow's via Bitcoin, I'm not even sure how that would happen. The DEXs, things like that. And what I, what I'm actually sort of brings a smile to my face is like, these thought that ordinals were controversial, like which are just NFTs. You know, they're just storing information on the blockchain, which by the way could already be done before ordinals. It's just that this made it much easier. I feel like this will cause a whole bunch of chaos and a whole bunch of drama in Bitcoin. But if Bitcoin is good at one thing, it is having a whole bunch of chaos and having a whole bunch of drama thrown at it and still coming out with the foundational values. The value transfer protocol, the freedom aspects, the uncensorability, coming out with what makes Bitcoin Bitcoin with just now some new functionalities built on top that are optional. You don't have to use them. It just makes Bitcoin a little bit better and a little bit more accessible to people if that's what they really want. The value transfer protocol, the base layer, remains pretty much as unchanged as when Satoshi invented it, and yet better than ever.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Honestly, I think that's a good note to end on. So, unless you got anything else to say, get out. You know, I just wanted to thank you for
1: having me on again. I thought that I was kicked off after last time, and that's why I sort of that's why people can't see. But I'm wearing sunglasses and a hat. I kind of wanted to shade my appearance here to you know maybe make it so that it was I was easier on the eyes or. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't know that it was me or something like that, but uh, maybe it wouldn't know it was uh, you, but for people no, who can't see a video,
0: your full name is in the bottom left-hand corner.
1: Oh, gosh. Really outed myself here. No, it's always fun to talk about Bitcoin. It's always t- fun to discuss crypto, and it's always good to – I don't like takes where it's like, oh, it's all good or it's all bad. It's really – there's nothing like that in life, at least that I've encountered, uh, except for Jimmy John's, which is all good. but. that there's just like you need more nuance in these arguments you need history context i go to bitcoin meetings here in denver and i will still encounter people that Uh, This actually happened the other day. I was talking about, oh, yeah, the early days of Bitcoin. I was referencing some stuff, and they said, what do you mean the early days of Bitcoin? And I got to tell them about, oh, yeah, the Bitcoin talk forum, and that's where Satoshi talked to Hal Finney. And it's history. It's context. And people don't know how certain things have evolved or why certain things are the way they are or how – you know, we don't even have to get into the the fork wars and why Bitcoin cash is around and stuff like that. But there's a history to these things. There's a method to the madness. And there is just so much going on under the hood, even for once again, the simplest blockchain that I never blame people for getting confused and just throwing up their hands being like, yeah, crypto is crazy, bro. Because it is. It really is. Even on, like I said, even on the simplest blockchain, there's just a whole bunch going on. So happy to help, happy to educate, happy to make sure that people don't lose all their money. Because that is not fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it depends on the people you talk to. I think if you talk to the right people, they give exactly that perspective. And I think if you talk to the wrong people, it's no different than being like, my favorite sports team is Ethereum. Why is yours Bitcoin? Like Ethereum's, it's got a way better defense and offensive line. Bitcoin has terrible defense. Like it's got okay offense. And you're just like, it's just not a, it's not a fair way to compare. They all have their unique place in the ecosystem, except shit coins and I won't say meme coins because some meme coins do have their place of just spreading fun and doing good, um, but shit coins definitely don't have a place in there other than, I guess, that hard lesson to learn for some people. But like, I'd rather people learn the hard lesson in a much different way than being like, I invested $500 in Peach Coin, and then when I went to check the website, there was just a little smiling, winky face, and I realized I got rugged. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's a good differentiator to talk
1: about just real quick. What are shit coins? Shit coins are coins that are never going to have a fundamental value. They're a tokenized fraud. They're a scam. They're a Ponzi in the same way that if I tried to, you know, if I, if you saw me on a street corner and I said, Hey, just give me 20 bucks, bro. And I'll come back with one of your favorite t-shirts. It's usually a hundred bucks. It's like, you should have known this is a scam. There's nothing around it. Meme coins can be a scam. Uh, there's some stuff happening with Pepe right now, where they're like Pepe's a rug, and you're like, really? I couldn't believe it. A frog coin was a rug, um, but like Dogecoin, and like I mentioned, Hosky. There's a couple others. Meme coins are tend to be just a slight financialization of what people are doing on the internet, anyways. Their community. Dogecoin has has funded. You know, they they gave the Jamaican bobsled team money. They funded NASCAR stuff. Hosky, like I said, has uh, what it calls rug pools where they pool and they help the Cardano delegation network. They donate to the UN stuff like that. Meme coins are more about cultural value that you could have sort of put your money where your mouth is almost like an admission ticket to you know a theme park or something like that. And that's the main way to differentiate it. That being said, There are way more shit coins than there are meme coins. So choose your meme coins appropriately and always be skeptical and always be on the lookout. If if I had to sum up a good phrase to always walk through the valley of death in crypto, it is do your own research and be
0: skeptical. Yeah, and honestly, that's a much better note to end on. So once again, thanks for being on my show. Yep, just holler if you need a dollar. I'll be here. Woo! All right, later, folks. Well, friends, that's another episode down. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate you rating it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can rate and wherever you listen to and get your podcast. It would mean the world to us and help get this podcast to people who truly are involved in Web3 gaming, blockchain, and cryptocurrency and want to learn more and stay on top of these emerging technologies. If you have any queries, want to reach out about any collaborations or advertisements, as well as want to reach out with any improvements you think we could make on the podcast, please email us at theweb3gamer at proton.me. We would love to hear from you and take every response very seriously. Take care and keep gaming, my friends.